Welcome to the Hedera Hashcast, episode 11. I'm your host, Warlock and Key, and today Deepak and I will be talking with our two guests from Stater. How are you guys? All good. Thanks for having us. Uh, Would uh, each of you please introduce uh, yourselves? Uh, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Bowen. I have been associated uh, with Stato for a short while now. Uh, fairly new to the system. Uh, learning a lot uh, from community members, uh, from my own colleagues, and of course uh, through Gautam as well. And uh, we are so glad we could be a part of this. And uh, yeah, thank you for this. Cool. Uh, my name is Gautam. I I lead the. Uh, the sort of business side of our uh, you know, staking on Hedera. Uh, Burvin, who was very modest uh, in his introduction, uh, leads our marketing. Uh, and that's why he's uh, kind of involved with the community as well. So the community has been really excited for this interview. Yeah. So let's, let's get right into it. Um, but starting out, for those who are unfamiliar, could you please walk us through how staking HBAR works with Stater? Sure. So just a, uh, a little background on Stater, right? So Stater is essentially probably the only multi-product, multi-chain staking platform. And I'm just going to break that down a little bit, right? So uh, Stater was formed with the uh, core insight that, you know, staking stakers or token holders come in all shapes and sizes. You have your average crypto Joe who has a few hundred dollars worth of uh, L1 currency. And then you have big funds who, you know, you have hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions, right? So you, like a bank, wouldn't offer the same services to, to both of these customer segments. Why, why should staking be similar, right? So we started off by developing really modular smart contracts. Uh, right, and our start was on uh, Terra, uh, where we've launched four different staking products. Right, from plain staking to liquid staking, to uh, to uh, sort of validate a specific product, and to one uh, which is called Degen Worlds, which is like trading strategy, DeFi trading strategies in a box. Right, uh, so that's a little bit of background on Stater. Hedera uh, was our second. Uh, chain, we, we're incredibly excited to be on Hedera uh, because of you know the uniqueness of the network itself, and and also it, it gave us chance to kind of uh, be there right from the start of uh, fledgling DeFi network, right? And uh, given that, we that's why we chose a liquid staking solution for Hedera, just because we wanted to sort of kickstart the whole DeFi ecosystem on Hedera. And it was probably the more difficult choice in terms of design. And our uh, engineers weren't super, super happy about it. But uh, essentially, it was uh, probably the right one because you know the, the idea of getting staking started and bootstrapping is, uh, it is essentially to get the DeFi ecosystem started, right? So uh, diving deeper into how the staking uh, uh, or with Stater works in Hedera is that you give your HBAR to us, right? Uh, we give back uh, a liquid token called HBAR X that represents your uh, portion of the staking pool, right? Uh, now, as APOX pass, rewards are added to the staking pool. And based on the number of HBAR X you have, it, it gets distributed. Essentially, it doesn't get distributed, like it doesn't get transferred to you but the value of the HBARX increases, right? So if you have 10 HBARX today and they are worth 1.02 HBAR each, tomorrow they'll probably be worth 1.025 HBAR, right? So the, your staking rewards are essentially captured in your HBARX, right? And now 
what's the advantage of that of course it uh, saves a bunch of like transact it doesn't matter so much on hedera but from on other chains saves a bunch of costs in terms of transaction costs and you know not having to kind of do that it also means that uh, the the edge bar and the value is locked into the contract so there are less vulnerabilities you know less money sort of leaving the contract less a number of functions so from a design perspective also it's better uh, but the biggest thing is that now you have this edge bar x it's like a tokenized representation of your stake and the value right so now you can use it in other places right so for example like you, you can transfer it to a friend right and we don't track all of that ultimately when you have to liquidate as long as you give us a back hrx we give you back hr right uh, the the other thing you can do which is very interesting because you know there are a couple of dexes uh, coming on board soon uh, on the network is that you can sort of uh, create liquidity pools so people who want instant liquidity between say hbar and hbarx right or hbar x and a uh, 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 stable coin they can go there and sort of swap out their hbarx or buy into hbarx directly uh, through through that stable coin and uh, other folks who want to utilize their hbarx can sort of provide that liquidity and take advantage of that swap fees right uh, the next one is essentially uh, around uh, you know lending uh, which are the classic cases of defi but uh, conceptually the idea of a liquid token is to sort of create uh, this uh, this pool of available collateralized uh, assets right so if if we look at you know a month down the line when we were not there right if a, if a developer uh, or or a team looking to build a lending protocol would look at uh, hedera uh, as a network they would say hey right now there's you know a bunch of hbar there's no real collateralized assets uh, so what what will we use as an asset right but now if you look at it there's 430 odd million of hbarx out there right right so that becomes instantly attractive for developers to come in and build dexes and build lending protocols and build options vaults and you know all the rest of the stuff that you've seen uh, on other networks right so that that was really the idea behind uh, doing a liquid token uh, first on hedera so something what? i'm curious about oh sorry go ahead deepak um so you mentioned having multiple ways of staking on your other products within the Terra uh, ecosystem. So you said yeah. plain staking, liquid staking and uh, some validator setup. So the validator I'm assuming is Yeah, just... that's called stake plus. Yeah. So it's is that just you spinning up a node on the Terra network and um it's just like normal staking? I uh, know not exactly. So it's for larger validators, but it's for them to manage their stakers. Right, so we we don't uh, run nodes ourselves, at least not till now. It's not uh, it's not there in our you know very immediate roadmap as well. Uh, but essentially, we sort of pride ourselves on pro providing the best and the most efficient technology layer between the stakers and uh, the uh, validators slash nodes. Right, and whether it be through plain staking or liquid staking or stake plus, which is more like a wrapper around a particular validator. For them to manage their uh, stakers, or you know, Legion Worlds, which are our fourth product. Um, that's really interesting. Do you yeah. have any plans on rolling out those products on Hedera as well? Yeah, sure. So I think it's it's a it's a combination of the ecosystem evolving. So let me talk about so the liquid staking product and Legion Worlds are like uh, linked, right? So you uh, think of liquid staking as what you would build after a defi ecosystem has evolved to a certain extent right so after the stuff that we talked about in terms of dexes and 
uh, lending protocols uh, is out there. Plus maybe, you know, some, maybe some guys come up with some exotic stuff around options or whatever. Right. So now you have these building blocks, then people can start creating trading strategies, right. And take a position in the market. Now that will create ARB opportunities and that will create, you know, people with opposite views to take the opposite position. Right. So you'll have these multiple sort of trading strategies being spawned in the DeFi ecosystem. Now, once you have these building blocks, then a product like Degen Vaults makes a lot of sense, right? Because then, you know, somebody who's, who's very good at trading strategies can sort of come in, hey, I, I've created this great trading strategy. Now I can put it as a vault uh, with status Degen Vaults product. And then people can sort of, uh, you know, just mimic that strategy in one click and I'll get a reward for it as a creator, right? So uh, that's that's the whole idea, but it's a little bit evolved, right? Uh, on the plane staking side, yeah, that's something that we are kind of discussing internally, very specifically, uh, because there's a lot of edge power locked uh, in, so, you know, hardware wallets in in cold storage, and a lot of those wallets don't support HTS tokens right now, right? So one of the big things that we've learned from the community is that that's a big problem, and if we really have to truly get uh, you know, more and more folks to participate both in terms of value and number of people, uh, then those are the kind of solutions that we need to look for. Either those wallets need to, uh, to become compatible or then, or we need to come up with a solution which is working through the timelines of that. Uh, and maybe, uh, you know, plane staking uh, might be one of the solutions that we come up with after, of course, we, we launch into, which is our, you know, immediate focus. Something I'm super curious about is... Did you seek out Hedera or did they approach you? Like, how did those like first conversations go? I think we were always sort of aware uh, of Hedera. And uh, we, we always, you know, when we kind of started, we talked to a lot of foundations just to get a sense of what they want, right? And, uh, you know, decentralization in more sort of other networks as well is, is a problem, right? You have, you know, I don't know, Solana has like 1,700 validators, right? But if you look at the Nakamoto coefficient, I think it's still in, uh, you know, early double digits, right? Uh, so, uh, right? And uh, so then we essentially got talking to a lot of uh, foundations and that's how we kind of came across uh, the HBAR Foundation as well. So uh, I think it's a bit of both because foundations are always looking for people to create. Right. And we are always looking for, you know, newer and newer problems to solve. Uh, but yeah, we did prioritize Hedera quite a bit uh, just because we felt that this was a unique opportunity for us. Right. So if like, like we're going to uh, be next, we built on Phantom, we built, we built on Polygon, we, we're going to go to Near, uh, have a specific solution of Solana as well. But we prioritized Hedera as a second sort of uh, chain. Uh, because we felt it was a unique opportunity to kind of uh, get in there from the start. And of course, like there was, there's, uh, you know, very good support from the foundation as well. And that played a part in us sort of accelerating our timelines as well. So how was working with Hedera compared to working with some of these other chains? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things we've, we've, uh, we've seen and sort of been pleasantly surprised by is that, you know, the community is very, very active and vocal. And uh, that that helps us as creators quite a lot, right? Because you know, good, bad, or ugly, you get instant feedback. And once and there's, I think the quality of feedback is also much better, right? So the folks will kind of tell you exactly what they feel is wrong, rather than a motherhood statement, "Hey, this is fraud," or "This is this," or "That's right." And so that that those things as a creator aren't really useful, 
But if, you know, folks on the community have been really very specific and they've asked very specific questions around math, around how it works, around security, and that has sort of helped us up our game uh, in, in terms of, you know, going faster or explaining better or just you know, coming up with a better product. So that's kind of been a very symbiotic relationship that uh, uh, that has helped us quite a lot. And it's been uh, it's been very nice. So going into what specifically it was like working with HTS, were there any hangups or roadblocks you experienced? Any issues you had? Okay, so I'm going to do my best to uh, answer that question, but it probably would have been best for one of our tech guys. Uh, but I think, uh, look, with every sort of token service, there are certain nuances. But I think all in all, it wasn't that much more difficult than any other uh, token service that we've used or any other uh, sort of uh, chain that we've uh, been on. Uh, so overall, I think uh, it's the where probably the ecosystem will sort of evolve is just the acceptance of HTS tokens, right, uh, across the board in wallets and, you know, having something like, uh, you know, Wallet Connect uh, come on board. I know that's something that's been worked on uh, behind the scenes. So once those sort of building blocks and pieces are in place, then people will start to very quickly build or, or on top of, uh, you know, Hedera and have a lot of HTS tokens, I think. So it's uh, it's always a multiplying effect once you get all these uh, smaller, uh, you know, building blocks in place uh, where, you know, people then see the light and uh, I'm sure the ecosystem will explode very quickly. So as you mentioned, uh, at the time of recording, yeah. there's over 400 million HBAR staked with Stater. Something yeah. I'm curious about is how... Right, yeah, yeah. Um, how does this figure compare with your expectations for this time frame? How much HBAR do you think you would have staked by now? Is it more or less? It's more. Uh, I think initially uh, we, 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 I think we, we weren't uh, under any sort of, uh, sort of delusions that this won't, this will be like super easy because we, like, we were going, we were, we were pretty much the first C token to launch and it's not a, it's not a very simple token to understand as well, uh, HBARX, but that's where I, I think I'll go back to what I was uh, saying about the community, right? People asked us the hard questions in the first couple of weeks and then they became champions for us, right? So we, we right. Have, we've had folks who, who have understood our model probably as good as we understand it. Uh, they've been like user-created dashboards uh, and sort of uh, we, can, we can help you with links. We can put it uh, there once you post this. But essentially, user-created dashboards and people have answered each other's questions very, very well, which we have essentially, you know, copied and taken into our FAQs. So uh, like I was saying, uh, a lot of this adoption has to do with the community sort of really championing uh, our cause and we are sort of uh, very, very grateful for that. Speaking of the community, I've got some questions that people really want answers to. Sure. Forgive me if you've already answered these questions. Nice. Um, as I understand it, all current rewards are being generated by the grant given to Stater by the HBAR yeah. Foundation. Something people want yeah. to know is what happens when the grant money runs out? Yeah, sure. So I think there, it's important to understand the, the broader vision for staking on HBAR. And uh, I, I'll sort of give a broader vision first and then see there are a couple of forks that can happen, right? So ultimately, like any other POS network, uh, the uh, staking rewards are going to flow from nodes and nodes are going to make money from, you know, multiple transaction costs and oh, however else they sort of support the network, right? So, but right now there's a HIP 406, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, word number that's talking about bringing staking uh, to 
uh, you know, the consensus mechanism and doing what we call like the supply side of staking rewards, right? So if you look at this like a marketplace or a value chain, we are really on the demand side. So we're generating the demand, we're getting users to stake, right? And then there's the supply side of, you know, passing that on to nodes and sort of uh, getting, collecting the rewards and funneling them back, right? So what the, the foundation sort of wanted to short circuit this in terms of a time frame and wanted to sort of build this up very quickly. So what they're doing is essentially bootstrapping demand while the supply is being built up. And in the end, these pieces will talk to each other and ultimately uh, the, the sort of flow will be completed. Now, if you look at in that context, if you look at our architecture, we have like a staking contract which stores all the value and then there's a rewards contract. Now, once the uh, protocol staking is live, the reward contract goes away and the connection is made. Now. Uh, if and sort of before that, the rewards contract can be you know funded again, which will be funded again if the protocol staking is not live. Because I think everybody kind of understands that uh, for DeFi to work in Hedera, this is very important for a few of the first few projects to really sort of go go ahead and do well. I think so. In in that context, the idea is whenever protocol staking goes live, the connection will be made um, and it'll become like a self-sustaining loop in itself. Right. Uh, before that, uh, it will kind of continue to be sort of funded with rewards. And those are the numbers we kind of work with the foundation, uh, sort of day in, day out, look at what, what's happening. Um, so there's a commitment till June 30th on what those numbers will look like exactly. And we're working through the numbers for sort of July and beyond. Right. Uh, also sort of working backwards from where the current state of HIV 406 is. Right. So, uh, and what I would say to the community is like, be a little bit patient with us because there are a lot of moving parts, but we'll definitely, you know, uh, before we ask people to commit or lock in or anything like that, we, we will let people know exactly what's coming in terms of rewards uh, for the next quarter. So it sounds so, like you have yeah. a, a, not only just a relationship with the HBAR foundation, but with Hedera itself, with coordinating um, with actual native staking. Um, it sounds like from your answer that uh, not exactly. Okay. Right. So uh, we we we're not involved in the HIP four not six development as such. No, uh, we are obviously very very interested parties uh, because it affects our uh, our smart contract directly, uh, right? But the work that's going on there is very specific to the consensus mechanism. That's really not our expertise. Right. So we are ultimately smart contract developers and we, we, we don't, we don't have the expertise to kind of uh, go into the network and build those kind of things, but we are very, very interested observers and we, we do kind of make sure that we know the latest and greatest that's going on so that we can uh, align our plans to that. So would Stater use Hedera's native staking in any way to continue yeah. the generation of rewards? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. So essentially what will happen in the end is, all the HBAR that's uh, staked at that time will be distributed to an algorithm uh, to the nodes and they will generate back, uh, you know, uh, rewards and that will be passed on and that will sort of make the whole circle sustainable. Now, that's the end vision. And of course, if so somebody out there has read HIV 406, they'll also know that, you know, uh, one of the things that we are, why we are sort of gathering as much information as we can is going to, is going to throw up an optimization problem uh, for us and anybody else who's kind of looking to stake on how they spread uh, their edge bar across the nodes, right? So we're, we're you know, parallelly trying to understand that problem because we know that that 
uh, that problem is something that we will need to solve in uh, you know three or four months down the line. So something the community brings up a lot, and I'm sure you address this all the time, is um, why do we have to wait to remove liquidity? And I think you've you've explained it in bits and pieces, but just to like get that out there, what yeah, was sure. the reasoning sure. behind that decision? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, essentially, we, we had a development plan, right? Uh, and uh, that development plan would have probably run into, say, May or towards the end of May or start of June, right? Uh, to, to give the full product, right? Because it involves, you know, we're building a new chain, a new network. So it involves a lot of testing and all of those kind of things, right? So, uh, what, you know, in conjunction with the foundation, essentially, what we decided to do in the middle was, sort of cut cut this into two pieces so that we can get uh, rewards faster to token holders, right? And I, for one, if I was a token holder, I would be glad looking at the markets right now. I think staking is one of the things that is generating uh, a little bit of yield against uh, the market headwinds. And uh, if we would not have done that, those, those kind of things would have had, happened now, right? So one, one and a half months of rewards, uh, would have kind of uh, gone away, right? So that it, it was just purely that decision. Nothing, uh, you know, we we could have combined it. It would just taken us more time. In the end, it'll probably overall take us more time. But like we we sort of decided that from a user perspective, it's better if we start giving out the rewards to token holders first, take a, a gauge of the you know market, the reaction, right? And and as you can probably see and appreciate, uh, you know. Uh, people are being compensated for that uh, in liquidity in terms of uh, fairly high uh, sort of rewards rate and stuff like that. So that that was the sort of decision that we took. So speaking of unstaking, um, yeah. people will be able to unstake HBARX when Stater V2 launches, and that's around July yeah. or uh, early Q3. What can you tell us about Stater V2? Yeah, sure. So essentially, uh, we, we're, A, we're looking to make it more like uh, late June. So that's one one thing I think I haven't said uh, any time before that that's the latest view uh, as, as soon as we can essentially on that. Uh, B, it will work like this essentially that you, you will be, uh, you can request a withdrawal, right? And after a certain amount of days that, uh, you know, as soon as you request a withdrawal, that's unstaked. So your uh, HBAR, X will be sort of converted back into H bar. And after a certain amount of time, you can uh, withdraw it into your own uh, wallet, right? And that time will be in a short number of days just because we don't want things moving around between an epoch. Uh, and we want also don't want to have, uh, you know, people coming in and out very quickly. So in terms of the business side of things, staking is always for long-term or designed for long-term token holders. Right, so we don't want folks sort of coming in, taking taking uh, taking the rewards, then going out uh, in six six hours, right? To so in order to stop that, there will be a time between when the rewards stop accruing to you and you are able to take the H bar out, because this is mostly for long term folks, right? So that's that's essentially the the thing. Uh, you will be able to do everything through our DAP, so there's nothing that uh, you know. You need to go to a third party or something like that. Uh, it'll also give you a sense of you know your all your withdrawals and what you've done uh, in the past, uh, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. If you if you guys have seen typical liquid token solutions in uh, uh, or our own in other uh, chains, it kind of works in a similar way. 
So Stater's Hedera smart contracts were audited by Halborn in late March of this year. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. were the findings and was there anything you needed to change? Yeah, sure. So with every sort of uh, smart contract audit, there, there are certain findings uh, that things uh, sort of need to change. Uh, so we needed to change. If I'm, if I remember it correctly, there's one formula that we needed to change, and a couple of informational issues that we needed to fix on the contract, like on commenting and everything side. But all of those were fixed even before we launched beta, right? So if you look at, I think it's page ten. If I'm not wrong, they they sort of pinpoint the issues in the first draft of the audit, and then they pinpoint that the fact that you know the second submission fixed all of those on 5th April or something like that. And then we then we sort of deployed that. So I would look at it as, you know, a, a regular process of audit. And uh, overall, I don't think even on the first one, there were any critical issues, uh, right? So it was, it was I think, one or two uh, on the medium side and one or two on the information side. And, and that was uh, pretty much it, right? So I think it was a pretty clean sort of report. Uh, and of course, on V2, uh, we're gonna have a fresh audit. Right. And uh, we're talking to uh, Halburn as well as another party uh, to do the audit. We, we might launch with one audit uh, or we might launch with both audits. But at certain time, we'll probably have a couple of parties look, look at the code to just to make sure, uh, you know, that it's robust enough and, uh, you know, continues for a long, long time. So this is a, a little more technical follow-up question. As far as we know, sure. the smart contract source code is not visible. So if that's the case, how can we trust that it has been audited correctly? Okay, uh, so I mean, there's a couple of things uh, that you should, uh, which should sort of give you confidence. One is, you know, Halburn as a company has audited quite a lot of, uh, you know, other protocols and chains, et cetera. And, you know, their, their track record is kind of visible uh, on the website. B, there are code snippets and stuff within the report that talk about, uh, you know, different functions with, uh, within the report. Uh, C, uh, you know, the code has also been sort of reviewed by the foundation. So there have been a few set of eyes on that, uh, on that code itself, uh, right? Uh, so yeah, I think those are the, the sort of mitigating factors. And again, on V2, those factors will kind of remain. Plus, I think we've done this on Terra periodically that we, we always sort of go ahead in a, you know, in a fixed period of time, get another set of, get another party to look at our code, even if not, not much has changed. Right? And that's largely because we just want to make sure that it's always robust. So we, we look at security as a continuous kind of exercise where audits are sort of one one quiver in our sort of uh, bow. And we, we, we look at other things in terms of having peer reviews, having multi-sig, uh, you know, uh, wallets for changing any code and stuff like that uh, to make sure that we're, we're always kind of up to date. So this is another question from the community, just, you know, for clarification, because sure. there, there does seem to be a lot of confusion about Stater and how HBARX works. So... Yeah. All the HBAR that is currently staked with Stater is locked up in a smart contract. Yeah. Can you walk me through how HBAR X is gaining value while the HBAR is locked up? Sure. So let me look, let me choose, you know, small numbers, right? Just say we go back to the start, right? So we go back to the start. There's nothing in the smart contract, uh, right? There's no HBAR X in circulation, right? So say, well, like you, you stake 100 HBAR, right? The exchange rate is one. Uh, you get back 100 HBAR X, right? Nothing happens at the end of the day. Now, at the end of the day, 10 rewards are added 
to the contract, right? So nobody is staked, just the rewards are added to the contract, right? So the total rewards in the contract are 110, right? But the total HRX in circulation is only 100 because nobody staked, right? So hence, now each of your uh, HRX is worth 1.1 because the exchange rate at any point in time is the total value of the contract divided by the total HRX in circulation. Right. So this essentially, this happens in a more complex manner, right? So if multiple people stake at a particular point in time, uh, what the contract does is looks at the exchange rate at that particular point in time, gives you back a commensurate H bar X to the H bar that you've given in, right? Uh, and then when rewards are added, that's a separate function call. And that does not trigger uh, a change in the denominator, but changes only in the numerator. Hence the exchange rate in H bar terms keeps on going up, right? But when you unstake, eventually, uh, you give back H bar X, right? So the contract looks at the exchange rate, gives you back your H bar, which is commensurate with that. And what it does, it, it burns the H bar X that you gave back. So ultimately, both the numerator and denominators go down, but the ratio remains the same. So staking and unstaking doesn't move the exchange rate. The only thing that moves the exchange rate is the rewards addition. Right? And hence, in H bar terms, the exchange rate always keeps on going up. Right. Okay. I think that's going to be much needed clarification for a lot of people. Um, sure. So my final question mm -hmm. is, native staking is on Hedera's roadmap for Q2, as we know. What is yeah. the advantage of using Stater once native staking is live? Sure. So uh, there are a few things, right? So native staking is going to be, of again, of the plain variety. Right, so you you will essentially uh, you'll have your you need to keep your H bar in your account for native staking to work, right? So H bar X itself again being a liquid token gives you all of the advantages of a liquid token of you know going out making your strategies and using it uh, in multiple places. Uh, interestingly, specifically for HIP four hundred six, we are going to also build an optimizer which is going to maximize your APYs, right? So if you look at HIP 406, how it uh, it sort of works is that, uh, you know, each of the nodes will have like a minimum, uh, you know, staking requirement and a maximum one. So if you if you were to sort of add each of the accounts that are sort of linked to a, or staked to a particular node can have a movement in their HBAR as well, right? Which will essentially uh, change the amount staked on that node, right? So you can imagine the complexity of this in, in terms of uh, every every epoch, you will probably need to solve an optimization problem if you have to maximize your APY. Now, what will that difference be if you leave it on one node and forget about it versus if you optimize? Not sure, but there will be a difference for sure, right? So if you come stake with us, either through HBARX or through if we launch a plain staking solution, you, you get that backend, uh, you know, optimizer free, essentially, right? Uh, so yeah, those those are the two main reasons. Of course, there's obviously, you know, uh, better reporting, DAP, and et cetera, et cetera, uh, audited smart contracts and stuff like that. Uh, so all of that kind of is pretty standard, but very specifically to Hedera, I think it's going to be these two uh, main things that uh, should drive users to stay with us uh, in the long run. All right. I think that does it for all the questions I have. This is going to be a very informational episode. Uh, I'd like to thank our guests for agreeing to be here. I really appreciate it. And I think people are going to get quite a lot out of this interview. 
Uh, now, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, following us on Twitter at Hedera Hashcast, and supporting us via Patreon or by buying one of our patron NFTs. Thank you for listening and for helping to build a consensus in the Hedera community. Thank you to our patrons. ABFT, FTW, Moon88, and DJ.